I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Wednesday, July 15, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? Market was up, was up pretty big. Bulls have the ball. What's going to happen next? We're going to look at all the charts. We're going to talk about a possible breakout. We have a double top scenario. We have higher numbers. Or are we going to have a possible failure? It's options expiration week. We have to be prepared or pre-prepared for anything. Expect the unexpected. We still do have a divergence or two out here. They always have to be of note, and they always have to be on the table. We'll take a look at everything under the sun, but first, let's start with the daily chart. What jumps off the page at us? How about the trend is your friend until it's not? I would be remiss if I didn't say that in an uptrend or a downtrend every single day, because I know there are a lot of traders that are dying to short the market. They continue to try and short the market. They always want to short the market. I get that. If any of those people are out there listening now, you just have to ask yourself, is it worth it over and over and over again to fight, meaning have a fight with the trend? Now, there's a flip side to that. You want to catch a high. You want the big sleigh ride down on a short trade. They take the, meaning the market, takes the express elevator down and the escalator or the stairwell up. So we know the allure of the short trade. We also can't lose sight of something else. And I want to bring back the weekly chart with this discussion. But first, let's have a further discussion on the daily chart. We're in an uptrend. They're approaching this double top. If above that double top, you'll see a breakout ensue. Where would the breakout take price? Well, you have a couple of things going on. We've already discussed all this stuff, but here's a recap. So you have some areas up here, and the exact numbers will be reserved for Inside the Numbers members where exactly the actual resistance is. But above that, you get into no man's land, and then you have another gap all the way up at 333.5. We're not going up to 333.5 anytime soon. We may not even get into no man's land. But we have to assess the situation, we have to see all the deals, all the possibilities, and then we whittle one after the other after the other away at a time. So right now, the market's in an uptrend. Of late, other than a one-day thing here and there, there has been no rejection of price up here. So that's what I really wanted to discuss again. I think it's worth emphasizing. We did this last night, we're going to do it again. The weekly chart, we have two important breakdown candles. This one has a high of 323.41. Inside the numbers members will be familiar with that number. I'm not always telling you where the numbers come from. It doesn't really matter all the time, but the number should be familiar. The other one, breakdown candle high is three and a quarter, 85. So here's the way we have to look at the market. We have to look at it common sense logic. We've got to use those two things to make our determination or any assessment that we're willing to make. So here's what we're going to look at. 
Let's start with this breakdown candle high. Not the most recent, but the one far away. So that's when the market crashed. The market really broke down. This is a bona fide breakdown candle high. If there was ever a market breakdown, that was it. So on the way back up, the market really did run up to test the breakdown candle high. Now, sold off, so that's a rejection. That's enough of price decline to call it a rejection from the breakdown candle high. Rejection doesn't have to mean new lows, doesn't have to mean crash. It's just a garden variety rejection away from that general price area. 20 or so SPY points, 200 S&P handles qualifies as a rejection. But now the market found stability and we're back up testing the breakdown candle high in the midst. Let me clean this up a little bit and we'll do it again. In the midst, when they ran back up and then were rejected, they created another breakdown candle high. So either we're running back up to test this breakdown candle high or this one again or get through them both. Either way, that's what's going on. The question is, which one and how do we know? From a logical and common sense perspective, here's what we do know. The market wouldn't be back up here if it wasn't important, if they weren't trying to get through this price, will the real breakdown candle high please step forward? Is the near-term one the real breakdown candle high? Is that what's operating right now? Is that what the market is going to test? Or are they running a better test of the actual breakdown candle high up almost at 326? Remember, let's use logic once again. When they came up, they never got to the breakdown candle high. Doesn't mean they have to. There's no hard and fast rule that says the market has to go here in order to be a complete and full test. That's not the case. But remember something we discussed several times on this weekly chart. Is this a run higher and then eating time off the clock in a bullish, flaggish kind of formation? And that's really essentially what was or is going on here on the weekly chart. You see how there are a lot of possibilities depending on what perspective you want to look at things and how much of an umpire you want to be. Check your bias at the door. Pretty simple stuff. Here's what we'll say. Getting above, and this is a weekly close, so we have to say it based on a weekly close, but we know closing hourly and then daily above this breakdown candle high, 323.41, will at least signify a likely test of three and a quarter to 326. That's just the way the market works. Remember, daily chart, they're above all the moving averages, they're in an uptrend, they're at a double top, and they hadn't run up there to be rejected. It's not like they got rejected, came right back to double top, and they'll be rejected again. In fact, what they've done is they've creeped up to double top. We don't love creeping markets. Creeping markets are not crisp. When the market is running to a destination, it's generally doing it quick. Think in terms of stocks on the move. What happens? A stock will move quickly into a price. It'll spin around in the other direction real fast. Before you know it, you're up eight bucks like this morning. We'll get to that later. But when a market creeps into a spot, you have to question whether or not that's actually the spot. 
it's more likely the market gets into a certain price in the midst of some kind of a frenzy. For example, let's say they went to 325, 326 tomorrow, Friday, Monday, something like that. They would likely get there in the midst of everybody thinking that price is going to continue going indefinitely. The bulls would be rampant. Now, the number is represented from a big time frame, a weekly chart. So it could take some time, but would they likely just waltz right on through 326 or would they likely have a reaction in the other direction? And the answer, you're correct, they would likely have a reaction in the other direction on the first run if gotten there quickly. As opposed to what we're seeing here on the daily chart, we're creeping up to a double top. That's not the same. You need to understand the difference. It's not only what the market does, what price the market does it at. It's also how it does it. Let's go with a short hop for a second. Take a look at the pre-market commentary from inside the numbers. We'll look at stocks on the move. There were only two on the board. The market was getting a lift, a gap higher, a rising tide lifts all boats early in the morning. When that happens, it takes away a lot of the immediate opportunity for traders looking for that juicy morning trade. You know, the quick rocket ride. Read the pre-market commentary. I'm going to scroll up. There's your 323.41 early and often. We're giving both sides to the coin. We have 320s important. We have 319 you'll see later on is important. They didn't quite get there, but they made an effort for it. 320 you'll notice is a big fat round number. It coincides with ES3200. 322 was important. That was represented in the early thoughts. We'll use this as a teachable or lesson learned type of moment. 322. We label it as the most recent breakout and that was based on the futures in the morning. Now, we talk about breakout and breakdown areas a lot. So what I want you to do is keep that in mind. We're going to go look at a chart. You know the routine. It doesn't change. 322 was essentially the pivot. You want to identify important numbers. So we know that area is important in terms of a breakout area. So when we see the market trade in and around an area, it also draws more attention, at least to me. So we can see they gave up 322, had a pretty good sell-off, made an effort for the gap, didn't fill the gap. We know how that works. In fact, you'll notice when you read inside the numbers, we talk about it before and after it happens each and every time, which is sometimes they come up short of a gap, sometimes they hit it on the button, sometimes they'll spike it through. We never know exactly which one is going to be which time, but we need to have the awareness that they do that. So here they come towards the gap and we were ready for it. How are we ready for it? We know that below a certain thing, they're going to do another thing. But what did they do? They ran right back up to what? 322. Same area. The breakout area from early this morning. It's still important. The more the market respects a zone, an area, a number, whatever you want to call it, the more we can recognize its importance. When you see this, and at the time, you don't know 322 is the number, but now you look back and you say, all right, so they centered on 322, tried to break out, broke down. Came back to where? 322. And then what happened at the end of the day? Little bit of shenanigans in and around 322. 
You think 322 is important? Yeah. You don't have to be a mathematician to see 322 is important. Let's continue on with the notes. You should read the commentary. Go back to the charts and see where the support was listed as. See where the resistance was listed as. Several times during the day today, we had the support and the resistance numbers, not necessarily to the penny each and every time, but we had them, for the most part, lock, stock, and barrel. And you'll also notice that today, and we can call it a weird, wacky Wednesday. Where does that come from? It's the Wednesday of Options Expiration Week, and years ago, I heard somebody coin the phrase, Weird Wally Wednesday or Weird Wacky Wednesday, something like that. And you know what? It holds true. The market was doing the whipsaw thing. And I've also heard the term whipsaw Wednesday. They're all true. The market was up. The market was down. The market was all around. And what happens when there are days like that? They chop traders up. Traders looking to short the market get scared away. They get squeezed out. Traders looking to buy the market, thinking it's going to go higher, they get shaken out. Who wins? The computers trading back and forth, moving right along. Again, what I want you to do is take note of the numbers. See the numbers, read the notes, go back to the chart. I'm not going to spoon feed it to you. The way I figure it is, if in fact you have any interest whatsoever in finding out whether this is valuable information then you'll take the time to go see what was written and go back to the chart and see what happened after the fact. It's pretty good stuff. Remember 319? Just saying, moving along. We're going to take a look at stocks on the move. Also, we'll look at the two opportunities that were on the board, and then we'll look at the chart of the one that hit its number. The two on the board were UNH and BK. UNH hit its number early and quickly. Entry 375. And here it is, United Health over here on the right. You see the close yesterday was 308.60, getting a haircut at the open. And this was a late addition on the board. Why does that happen? Let me explain it. I have a scanner that runs every 10 minutes starting at, I think it's 7.30 a.m. Sometimes something begins moving first as we approach the opening bell. That happens. I happen to notice it. I figured I would put it on the board. I put it in the commentary. If you read the commentary in the pre-market or the early thoughts, you saw that it was on the board, a late edition, UNH. The rest is history. You can see what happened. The opening print happens to be 301.12 against a 375. They come into the number. They spike it by a little bit. They come down very close to 300. And what do we call that? Yes, a big fat round number. They turn around, they go back in the other direction. On what? You got it. A rocket ride. And then they came down later in the day. And there's a method to the madness. I did that with the chart on purpose because I want to speak to a handful of people that ask a very specific question. And they always, not these people, but there are always the same question asked on these trades when a stock begins to come back toward a number. Like in this case, 375. They want to know if they can trade it again or trade it for the first time because they missed the trade on the first go-around. And the answer is, it's a one-trick pony, a one-shot wonder, one and done, no sloppy seconds. It may work the second time, but it's designed as a one-hit wonder. 
first hit, your best hit. The probabilities of the same thing happening twice in a row at the same number are not the same as the first time. Now this one would have worked as you see, but it's not the trade. The trade is one and done on the first hit. It's a valid question, but there's the answer. SPY hourly chart. Let's have this discussion. It's important. So here we have a flagpole, and then we have the makings of another flag developing, and this is over and over and over again. It sounds like a broken record, but that's because the market keeps doing the same thing over and over again. Sound familiar? That's why we pay attention. So what would we say with this? Well, if they come down and fill the gap, that's down here around 319, a little below. If they come down to fill the gap and they're closing hourly below the gap, that takes the bull flaggish thing off the table. If they come down to fill the gap, kind of like on this candle here ending at 12.30 p.m. today, it's just a quick run down and a run back up. That's running a test. If they come down quickly and get right back out of there in the northern direction, that doesn't really take away the bullish flaggish thing. It's just a test. So two scenarios when you show up on Thursday morning, mind you, in uniform, ready to go. If they're trading lower, below the gap is bad. Above the gap, they're likely coming down to fill the gap. And then we want to see what happens around the gap. How do they treat the gap? Do they begin closing shorter-term candles below the gap? That would be a signal they're going to do the hourly close below the gap. Or do they get out of there quickly? That's a bullish sign. How about another lesson learned? And if you already know this lesson, then it's a reinforcer. 120-minute chart. What do we have here? The look here is a big breakdown candle. Fine. The market gaps up tries to get above the breakdown candle. Same conversation off the other charts. It's just a different chart, different breakdown candle, same concept. And this is important. I'm taking a side note for a second. It's important because this is really what the foundation of the course really is. It represents the fact that all charts act and react the same way. You want to trade commodities, gold, oil, pork bellies. I don't care. You want to trade Forex. I don't care. You want to trade cryptocurrency. I don't care. All charts act and react the same way. Doesn't make any difference what the name is. I proved that point in the course without a shadow of a doubt. So here's the situation. They gap up to try and get through the breakdown candle high. So they don't do it, but they're not rejected. What do they do? They're making a bullish flaggish thing Trying to build energy to do what? Exactly. Get through the breakdown candle high. Here's a fact. Some of you, I don't know how many, but some of you have just had an aha moment. Take the course. You'll have a whole bucket full of aha moments. I'll leave you with this one. Time is more important than price. If you don't know what that means, you'll have the aha moment in the course. What else we got? We got camp IWM up 4%. That in and of itself is an adult number. You don't find it very often that an index is up 4% on the day. By the way, there's a symmetrical move on the board. Can you see it? If you took the course, you can see it. But what are they doing? Where are they headed at present? A buck 50. Let's point something out. 
We've discussed this kind of stuff on other charts, even on this chart. Here's the high of a pivot that was important. How do we know it's important? Because the market went there and was rejected. Runs up, rejected. That makes this an important pivot. It's not me saying it. The market said it. Here, another one. Important pivot. Market runs up, rejected again. Now, the market gaps up, and guess what? It closed above them both. That's bullish in and of itself. Take it at face value. If you wake up to a black swan and they pull the rug out, open the trap door, the whole nine yards, that's fine. That was something other than face value. This is a duck. The duck is telling you 150. It doesn't have to happen tomorrow, but the duck is saying 150. By the way, or more. Could be up to double top, 155, 156. By the way, why not? And the reason I say why not is because if in fact down here I said or anybody said, hey look, the Russell's going to be over 130 in a couple of weeks, you would have said no chance. Guess what? That's exactly what happened. It was a little bit more than a couple of weeks, but you get the point. Expect the unexpected. Nothing is impossible with the market. If you haven't figured that out by now, stick around. It'll become clear. What does a failure look like? Closing back beneath these pivots before reaching 150 or higher. That would be the makings of a failure. Closing daily. This is a daily chart. You can get below, close hourly below, but the daily close is what's important. However, that doesn't mean the market's going to fall apart because here's the deal. They could still have another situation where they've created another bull flag pattern and it just needs to eat some time off the clock build some energy to run higher, make that secondary move higher. So that is a possibility. In the midst of doing all that, they can come down and fill the gap real quick, and they can certainly come down below this high here, intraday, this high here, intraday. They can close below it daily. I don't want you to misunderstand. Closing above it is normally a tell. It's like a tip-off. It's a tip-off that they're likely going to run higher. Start closing back below one, two, three, four days in a row, then something else is developing. Nothing's hard and fast. You're not going to find this stuff in any books. You're not going to find it on the Chartered Financial Analyst exam. This is my stuff. What about the folks down at the Transportation Department? Same routine. Nice big breakout today from where we were, up almost 3%. Guess what? We've been talking about this. This gap, the 200-period moving average, they closed above them both. What they didn't close above was this last breakdown candle high, but they spiked it, closed below. Doesn't mean it's going to collapse. They just weren't ready yet to go higher. Nothing wrong with that. They should go higher, but if we wake up to a big gap down and the market's melting down, what's the first order of business? The gap left open from yesterday's close. Pretty simple stuff. Not everything is roses. What's going on out in Silicon Valley? So we have a divergence. I talked about that early on. This is a divergence in terms of the cues not being as strong as all that other stuff. So what are we seeing? We're seeing some sector rotation, some money coming out of the cues. What does that mean? Where is the money coming out of? Well, we know the cues are top heavy in just a handful of stocks. Apple, Google, Amazon, Netflix, you know the routine. Facebook, we don't know exactly what's happening under the covers. All we have 
are the pictures in front of us and the numbers in front of us. So here's what we'll do. We'll say, as long as this reversal candle is intact, the market is poised to have more downside before it goes higher above the other day's high. That's normal garden variety stuff. Close daily above 262 and they're likely on their way to new highs. Remember, the trend is up. This is a one-day candle. If you just took the candle away and you just had the prices, you wouldn't see a reversal candle. It wouldn't be red. You wouldn't see anything other than an uptrend. So you have to take it with a grain of salt. Could be a one-day wonder. It's an awareness. You have to look at both sides of the tape. You have to be the umpire calling balls and strikes. We know what happens the majority of the time with these reversal candles, so they are an awareness. And on the hourly chart, we still do have a pretty good wedgish thing going on here of a bearish persuasion. Be the umpire. Take each market independent of one another, analyze it, throw all the puzzle pieces on the table, and then you come out with whatever you come out with. This hourly chart on the Qs is not a bastion of strength, contained by the convergence of the 50 and the 20 period moving average. And then guess what? I'll go right to Smash Mouth at a turn tonight because Smash Mouth was actually down one third of 1%. The semiconductor space is generally speaking a pretty good indicator or proxy for the tech space as a whole. So we watched Smash Mouth and it was struggling, down one-third of 1%. It wasn't to the magnitude it was down. It's just the fact that it was down. Of note, puzzle piece on the table. The financials, here we go, up 2%. Remember, all those moving averages, they were melting down, melting down. And what we said at the time was, they've got to get back above the moving averages for any kind of bull case whatsoever. They got back above the moving averages, and here we are. And we know the routine. Without the financials, it's unlikely the market's going to get very far in either direction. So what we had today, which was interesting, and it was noted early, if you read the notes, you saw this. The IWM was strong. The transports were strong. The financials were up, and they were strong, strong enough to say nothing is diverging to the point or melting down to the point where we have to be uber cautious in the market. We use as many tools as possible, we put them all on the table, and that's just the way we do it around these parts. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. True and accurate information. I'm going to pull the ripcord here tonight, folks, but it's everything that I wanted to and intended to discuss, so hopefully it was good and valuable information. I'm David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.